Welcome back to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. My name is Gwen Reyes. It's been a few years since our last episode, but I'm excited to be back in better than ever and just in time for Valentine's Day. Before we get started, I'd like to introduce you guys to my friend and new co-host, Danielle Dresser. Danielle is the editorial manager at Fresh Fiction, and she's also a fabulous writer, critic, and a lover of a great book. I am delighted for listeners to get a chance to know her better and to go on this journey with us as we talk about all the things that we're loving in pop culture, the fiction that brings us joy, and our favorite tips and tricks to stay calm, sane, and focused when the world feels like a little uncertain right now. Um, we'll also invite some of our favorite authors to join us for conversations about their books, their careers, and what they do when they aren't reading. Danielle and I want you to have a chance to get to know us a little bit better, so we're going to take the opportunity to interview each other since we both love asking questions. But before we get to that, Danielle, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to do this. I know, you know, we have known each other for a long time, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, but especially with the last, what, few years, three or year, years or so, we've been working pretty regularly together. Yeah. Um, and so this is just going to be so much fun. I'm so excited to have like a project to do with you and, you know, and, and find a new way to connect with, with readers and listeners of all sorts. This is going to be a little bit different today. We're going to interview each other, have you guys get to know us a little bit better, have us get to know each other a little bit better. Later episodes, you're actually going to have a chance to hear the interviews that we've done with them. Um, we'll also be keeping you up to informed about what we're watching, reading, and listening to, as well as some goals that we are trying to keep on top of. Because at the end of the day, we're both productivity nerds and we love to <laughs> stay on top of a goal. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> awesome. So, all right. Well, Danielle, um, let's go ahead and get into the uh, interview portion. Um, do we want to flip a coin to see who's going to go first or do uh, you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. Yeah. I will go. I would love to interview first. Okay. All right, Danielle. Okay. Here we go. Danielle, first mm -hmm. question. Very easy. Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, I live outside of Chicago. I live about an hour West of Chicago. Um, it's where I've lived almost my entire life. Um, I'm married. I have a wonderful husband who, you know, this morning was very excited and set up a microphone for me. Mm -hmm. um, he got real geeky about it, um, but that's why I love him. <laughs> and then, and I also have a six-year-old daughter who totally runs the show at our house. Um, we have two cats, so I apologize in advance if you hear meowing <laughs> in the background. They will, they will figure it out, and that I'm doing something important, um, and they'll come interrupt. Um, but yeah, I mean, for as long as I can remember, I've always been a bookish person. I've always been reading books. Um, I, my parents and my brother have always kind of let me be the person sitting in, in the car reading. And then, you know, and like one of their favorite stories to tell about me is like, we would be in our neighborhood and they'd be like, okay, you tell us how to get home. And I could not. <laughs> I would be reading, you know, the whole time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of what else I, 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 I really reading is like my main, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about self-care mm -hmm. that is like my self-care is reading and, and now writing to an extent. And, um, yeah, and I just, I knew from a young age that I wanted to be involved with books in some way. And, and that's what I did. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's me. <laughs> And it's so interesting too, because um, the way I know you is through, you used to work for um, a publishing house in Chicago um, yeah. that uh, we at Fresh Fiction would work with all the time and still do work with. And yeah. then you were, you know, you were, you got to stay, I like to say you were able to stay home with Ivy, which is <laughs> I awesome. Was, yeah. 
Um, but like, how did you fall into publicity? What was interesting about that industry that, or that part of the, the publishing industry? Yeah, it's, I kind of came to it in a really roundabout way because, you know, I went to college, I was an English major. I thought I was going to be an editor or something more like that. Mm -hmm. um, but then throughout our senior year, so something, I went to Bradley University, it's in central Illinois. And something that they, at least at the time, they made senior students or yeah, senior students do was kind of research different parts of not even just publishing or just, you know, it was like the idea was you either were a librarian or you were, you wanted to be a professor or, mm -hmm. you know, or something like that in regards to an English major. So they made you look into other parts or other ways you could utilize an English degree. And so I looked into, I think I actually researched like university presses because at the time mm -hmm. Illinois had a ton of or university presses, um, which I mean, they do great work, but it's all like, it's mostly textbooks. Yeah, it's just <laughs> and, academics. Yeah, very <laughs> academic. Um, but, and, but through doing research, I came across Sourcebooks. That's the publisher I used to work for. And, and I just kind of always had them in the back of my mind. And then, you know, I got closer and closer to graduation and they had an internship available. I was like, I just need a job mm -hmm. somewhere. I need an entry level position. Why not try to do publishing? And they were out in the suburbs, not in Chicago. They were actually out in the suburbs, not too far from where I was living. And so I was like, oh, this could actually work out. And they had a PR internship and it was paid. This was back in a time when a lot of internships. Wow. Were yeah. I was like, oh, what? That's not, yeah. That's not allowed <laughs> anymore, which awesome. But yeah, this, it was a big deal to have a paid internship. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was in the PR department and they were really cool. Like I just, I kind of went in like, okay, if I don't get in PR, I'm going to go try sales. And if I don't get sales, I'm going to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so, but it just ended up being a really good fit and they were really lovely. Um, I, I believe that first internship was like three months and they were like, you know, we really like you. Why don't you stay? And then they were, I, then I think the next time I was like, well, can I stay longer too? And then like, <laughs> okay, maybe we're going to hire you. Maybe it's time to um, hire you. How did that feel yeah. when they said that after three months that they liked having you around? It was awesome. It was really yeah. great. I mean, um, there was like, there was some department changes happening at the time. So that I think they also just needed like at least someone else who could kind of, I mean, quite frankly, do like the grunt work of yeah. like what was going on <laughs> in the PR department. But um. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was really, it was very validating. And then it was kind of like when they did actually hire me, you know, it was, it was, that was also very validating too. So like you've been a romance reader before this point? Yeah. I mean, I definitely was one of those people. My mom is a voracious reader and I, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, I'm, um, so I was talking to a friend about it and I was like, I didn't really realize romance had such a stigma around it until mm -hmm. I started really working in publishing honestly that long because my mom read romance novels but like if we went to Target or Walmart or even the grocery store and they were there on an end cap she would buy one but yeah. then she was also reading like the latest literary bestseller or she and then she's a nurse she was also reading like medical journals so like reading just happened in our house probably when I was like 11 or 12 I was like stealing my mom's romance novels <laughs> and reading them and, um, you know, I think like how so many people start out reading romance and yeah. So that's really how I got started specifically in romance. And then I did become like a snobby English major and I was like a romance, <laughs> like I, I, and not even I, I cry more. Okay. Right. Yeah. It was like, 
it was more like, oh, I need to be reading like big, important books, like mm-hmm. romance novels are fine, but whatever. Um, and then, but then working at Sourcebooks really kind of introduced me both to like how joyful romance is, but then also like how many people like look down on it. So that was a really interesting kind of dichotomy to like exist in, even within myself, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Figuring out that, oh wait, no, romance novels are awesome and amazing and should be taught in schools and, and all of that. So, so yeah, that's how I got into to romance. That's so funny. I had the exact same experience because I grew up with a romance reader yeah. and I read and Sarah reads like everything under the sun. Like if it is written down, can be the box, the back of the cereal box mm-hmm. or the coffee bag to yeah. like whatever, you know, Obama's book. Like she's going to yeah. read whatever. Every drawer in the bathroom had a romance novel in it. Um, yeah. I was the friend telling all my friends about sex because I was reading about it yeah. and I didn't. And it was so weird to work in this industry and to have to deal constantly with hearing about the stigma of it, but also feeling the burden that authors yeah. carry, that energy is so upsetting. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's, it just is very, very frustrating because it's like, it's love, it's characters, right. it's things that everybody cares about. But if you put a, if you say it's Jane Austen in the 1700s, that's acceptable. All right. Well, next question, Danielle, mm-hmm. um, do you reread? I do. Um, I do because I think So one of the things I know that a lot of people love about romance and specifically, but I reread even books outside of romance, but um, is like in the end, you know that it's going to end. It's going to be fine. These people are going to figure it out. They're going to be together. It's going to be a happy ending no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I think you get that doubly in like when you reread a book because or reread a romance because you're both experiencing reading it again and going on the journey to get to this happy ever after. And you still, and even though you can get, still get caught up in it, um, you know that they're going to get together. So I think there is just something so comforting and comforting in that. So one of the books that I reread pretty regularly is actually the first romance that my mom thought she was giving me for the first time even though yeah, I had probably read it before then. But like when I was, I think I was like 16 or 17 and my mom handed me Born in Fire by Nora Roberts. Oh. Um, yeah. And I mean, first, I mean, Nora, obviously living legend, you know, <laughs> we all bow down to Nora. Yes. But um, yeah, but I mean, it was, and it was, but it was the right time for like my mom to be like, here's this book. It's about people falling in love. It's about people working through a bunch of things and in the end, they still get the love that not just that they want, but that they deserve. That it was like yeah. more people deserve to be loved and to fall in love and have happy lives. And so it really was like being like 16 or 17. It was probably when I should have read it for the first time. <laughs> but reading it then and knowing that my mom was giving it to me for that reason was, was really special. And then another book that's not romance, but I usually return to, I reread Little Women probably every, maybe not quite every year, but every other year. And, but that's one where I can just like open it and just read it and Mm -hmm. love it. You know, like I don't have to start, I like to start at the beginning, but I don't have to, I'll skip around to my favorite. You can find your favorite parts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your favorite part? What is one of your favorite scenes from Little Women? What is one of my favorite scenes? I love, I love the whole situation with a between Amy and Joe mm-hmm. and like when Amy burns the book I mean spoiler alert for a yeah. you know <laughs> many years old book but <laughs> yeah when she burns the book and Joe finds it and then like Amy you know falls through the ice and Joe realizes that she's being they're both being brats but Joe kind of, yeah 
yeah, has to go through that as well to realize that she values her annoying little sister. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, I think that's why, I think that's probably the one that I read the most, I think. Yeah. That's funny. That is a book I've only read once or twice, but it's a movie version. Like I revisit Little Women probably annually. Like has Which to be. Which one like do you like the most? Um, I'm still a stickler. I still love the one that brought me, which was 1994's mm-hmm. one with uh, Winona Ryder. But yeah. I do, I really like the new Greta Gerwig version. Yeah. And I love the June Allison version because yeah. the, his, uh, the Lori is so cute. <laughs> I think, I mean, Little Women is one of those that don't really have terrible adaptations. Yeah, never seen I think a bad I've seen a lo- There was that one a few, I think a couple of years ago that was like an update, like a modern one. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. I, I haven't with- really paid that much attention to it. But I mean, the other, all the other ones I feel like are pretty solid. Yeah. And I don't think I've sat through the, sat through. I did not watch the, the uh, PBS version. That, that one's a little different that one is because it, it is and it's so much more detailed because it's mm-hmm. like episodes so yeah. that one is interesting that one though you can I, I have to be in like the mood to watch it but I like it too I think yeah. it's really fun that's yeah. good were you an Anne of Green Gables uh fan also a little bit I never I wasn't like I know some people are like into it mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, like I remember factions. watching I remember watching it and I definitely read the books um but I, the, I think I, I always gravitated more towards Little Women than Anna oh, Green nice. Gables, but I still really like it. I remember liking it. Or maybe even around that time, it was kind of Little House on the Prairie mm-hmm. as well. Like mm-hmm. all of those kind of <laughs> meld together for me, I think. I love it. Yeah, mine is Little Women and Anna Green Gables and yeah. Avonlea, or actually just straight up Avonlea because I loved that show too. I do remember that show. I remember watching yeah. that show and loving it. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah, that was so good. So speaking of things that you love, what are some podcasts that you love? I mean, Gwen, we could spend a whole <laughs> talking about the podcasts I listen to. I actually very recently went through kind of a podcast purge because Ooh. I just, I go through these spurts where it's just like, I'm going to listen to this and I'm going to listen to that. And I'm uh-huh. going to just listen to all of them. But then eventually you just like stop and not, I don't think it's anything to do with the podcast. It's more about just like me mm-hmm. not listening to it. Um, but I kind of, I actually wrote, took notes on this question because I was like, I have to think about this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think I split it up between like bookish podcasts and then like pop culture and current event podcasts. Excellent. And most of my bookish podcasts are all romance focused. Um, so I'm, I'm not, I'm going to try not to spend too much time talking about each one, but I listen to Faded Mates, which is hosted by Sarah McLean and Jennifer Prokop. They are, I mean, Sarah is a best-selling author and um, what else? And then um, Jen is a romance critic and reviewer. Um, and they're just, they're so great. They do these awesome deep dives about just going into different dives. tropes and different book. They, they usually focus on a book every other week. It's really fun. So that's one I love um, learning the tropes. It's also a romance podcast where one of the hosts has been reading forever and another of one of the, and the other host hasn't been reading romance. So they're kind of like, they're learning about it. Um, but they've been doing a lot of fun things like with the Virgin River adaptations and Bridgerton adaptations. Um, they've been doing a lot of fun, really cool episodes there. Um, another one, and I, I should say, I know these hosts, I've done events with them, um, but they, this is a podcast, Womance. They're actually based in Chicago. They're really fun. Um, and then one that I really want to point out, it's called the Black Romance Podcast. It's hosted by a professor. Um, she, I believe she works at DePaul University. 
um, in Chicago, and she's been interviewing Black romance authors. So everyone from Beverly Jenkins and Brenda Jackson and Sandra Kitt, to, but then to also to newer romance authors like Alyssa Cole and Rebecca Weatherspoon. Um, and that's just, that one's excellent. Like it's really good. It's on hiatus right now. So you have time to catch up before she starts again. So it's really great. Um, and then as far as like kind of pop culture and current events, like I love pop culture happy hour, NPR's long running podcast, and also wait, wait, don't tell me, which, you know, is just, I mean, a staple. Um, I also listen to code switch, which is more current events than it is pop culture, but they, they incorporate some pop culture in there too. And, um, yeah. And then like another podcast that I really love that, I mean, we've been talking a little bit about self-care and the things we like to do to bring joy. Um, and one, it's called Forever 35. And that's what they do. They talk about self-care and they interview a lot of different people um, and just ask people what they're doing to take care of themselves, which <laughs> is so important right now. So yeah, Sometimes I mean, that's just, just that. a fraction <laughs> of the podcasts I listen to, but um, those are the ones I think I listen to the most regularly. Do you listen to podcasts? <laughs> I do. I do listen to podcasts. And I yeah. also, it's so interesting. I'm very fascinated by the purging because I do that regularly too, mm-hmm. or then all of a and I'll look at my thing and go, I'm not, I subscribe to everything. Like if a podcast sounds interesting, like yeah. one episode, I'm like, subscribe instantly. But then months later, I'm like, I've never listened to one episode of this. Yeah. Um, so right now I, well, my, my staples are always who weekly for celebrity mm-hmm. gossip. Cause I love, I just, I love celebrity gossip. I thought yeah. I would grow out of it one day, but I'm quickly approaching my forties and I don't think I'm going to grow out of it. Um, (laughs) so I listened to that and then I also love keep it, um, which is on the crooked network. It's their pop culture and current events show with Ira Madison. I really enjoy that. I learn a lot from that show too, because all of the hosts are, um, they're all queer and then two of the hosts are of color. So it's like, I'm constantly just learning, learning, learning by mm-hmm. having friends that do other stuff. So I love it. Um, and then for uh, entertain, let's see, I used to do a lot of film review podcasts, but I get, mm-hmm. I get really bored with them now. So it's gotta mm-hmm. be something very specific. So I've loved anything that Cole Byer does. I listen to why won't you date me and yeah. best friends. Um, I don't listen to 90 day bakes. I don't watch 90 day fiance. Yeah, <laughs> Um, and then I also love watch what crappens because I do watch everything on Bravo, every, every show (laughs) on Bravo I've watched. Um, and then let's see the daily is one of my regulars for, for news and, um, and then, yeah, just whatever I'm kind of like popping into, there's a new, I I love those serialized shows. Um, so like right now I've been listening to, um, one that is exploring, uh, Maxwell or uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, um, who was part of the Jeffrey Epstein scandal and all that. So learning like about her and her role and it's just one episode. So I don't Mm -hmm. know anything yet, just that she was a brat and had too much money. Okay. (laughs) Sounds about right. Yep. There's a new season of the Bad Batch. So any sort of, of those true crime ones, I kind of still find myself sucked into occasionally. But otherwise, yeah, I've been trying to purge stuff Mm because it's, you just, I feel very bad that I don't listen to their stuff if it's there for too long. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Oh, I was gonna say my one little download is probably, you know, making them so mad. Yeah. (laughs) Someone who downloaded, but didn't listen to it. Didn't listen. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> one day whatever. and yeah I love self-help ones too I listen to a lot of therapy uh podcasts because again it's like free therapy just listening yeah. to people talk about their therapy experiences I'm like this is great sometimes you just need a journal very awesome. cool <laughs> what are your favorite tropes to read 
You know, this is such a hard question because I feel like the idea of a romance, like tropes, and I think it can go in other genres beyond romance, but I feel like in romance specifically, it's like a relatively recent discussion, Mm. like within the last like two or three years where all of a sudden everyone's like, oh wait, this is like a similar setup, which I think we've always known about. Um, I think I like knowing what the trope is, but I don't know that I gravitate. There's like one I can think of that I gravitate towards, which I will talk about, but I'm going to say like, I'm not going to not read a book just because it's friends to lovers or whatever, you know, or something like that. That's not how I approach it. But the one trope that like, if I can tell from the description that this is what it is, it's um, then I will read it. And I'm like here for it is what we call grumpy sunshine (laughs) or like optimist pessimist where Uh one of the main characters is like usually pretty straight laced and uptight for whatever reason. There's always a reason, but Mm -hmm. for whatever reason they are the grumpy one. And then the sunshine is like kind of the free spirit or like the, you know, just very talkative, very willing to be silly kind of person. Mm -hmm. And like, that is probably the closest thing to like my like romance catnip. Like I, will read that all day, every day. And I especially, I mean, this is um, kind of for, I think like cis het couples, which I mean, obviously this is, and in fact, you brought this, like talking about that podcast made me think like one of my goals for this year is to read more queer Mm -hmm. romance, um, just to continue to expand my reading horizons, if you will. Um, But in, but for Grumpy Sunshine, when it is a male, female or male identifying, female identifying partnership, um, when, a woman is the grumpy one like that is like my favorite <laughs> like I just think because I think I'm a little grumpy <laughs> oh see I was wondering where you were you were gonna yeah. put you and Zach and so, in this sort of yeah, it's definitely yeah. I'm the grumpy one and my <laughs> husband is the silly one so. That's so funny I would never think that about you but that is uh it's true yeah he will he'll probably listen to this and be like why are you telling everyone our business but <laughs> it's, it's happening <laughs> And but yeah, grumpy, grumpy sunshine is where that is. But it can also, it's not even specific to romance. Like I was thinking yeah. the other day about like on Good Morning America, and I mean this nicely, but like George Stephanopoulos is totally the grumpy one. Mm-hmm. And Robin Roberts is the sunshine, sunshine one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so even that, or even like podcast hosts, when they have that dynamic, like I'm here for it. Like I'm yep. that across the board anywhere. That's what I'm, I'm here for. <laughs> That's so funny. I love that. Yeah. I also agree about the conversation around tropes is it feels very like everyone just realized that books have things that are the same. Like yeah. it, it seems, I don't know. It just seems random out of mm-hmm. nowhere, but the one trope that I will, or the one thing that does sort of always hook me or makes me keep reading a little bit farther is I do love, I'm horrible. I love a love triangle. I love the concept of two people fighting over one person. I like. It. I don't necessarily yeah. need them to all be in, like really in love, but like I love a love. I love like a two dudes fighting over a lady thing. Yeah. Like, oh yes. Yep. And then pull a Felicity at the end and be like, I choose me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, I love it. That's so funny. So, what are you working on right now, Danielle? Gosh, what am I working on? Um. Well, I recently well not I my agent my wonderful Mm -hmm. agent Ashley recently um sold a two book deal to Berkeley so I'm kind of wait it's it's really interesting it's so it's interesting because I'm like 
waiting for my first round of revisions and edits and things from my editor. But then I'm also working on the proposal and like polishing the first three chapters and my synopsis for the second book. Um, that's what kind of what my agent and I are actively working on right now. But then I'm also like, I've started writing something new. <laughs> so, you know, cause the idea is for this to become a career. Right. Um, so yeah. So I'm, it's like, I'm working on three different things. <laughs> and then I'm also posting things to the Fresh Fiction blog as editorial manager. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so that's what I'm kind of working on all of that and and also yeah. just trying to like keep it all straight. Like, you know, it's, it's, it is interesting because it's like, if I think about the book that I did sell, um, I wrote that book like at the end, starting at the end, I think end of 2019 into yeah. early 2020. And then I wrote the second book um, throughout last year. And, and now I'm working on something else. So it's, it's this whole weird cycle. <laughs> when you started writing, did you, I know this is not one of the planned questions that I no, sent okay. you. Um, when you started this next round in, in 2019, when you sat mm -hmm. down and you were like, I'm ready to tell this story, yeah. like what was it about that time that made it the right time for you? Because, you know, you've had, you were English major, you've yeah. been in the publishing industry forever. You've seen the behind the scenes. I don't, you've seen the high, how mm -hmm. the behind the scenes works, but then like you finally put your, to take a quote that everyone says, yeah. you put your butt in the seat and did the work. Yeah. Like, what was it about that time that made it right for you? Um, well, one thing was that I had, I had attempted to do NaNoWriMo like a, a bunch of times uh -huh. and had never really ever gotten anywhere with it. Like, it was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then NaNoWriMo National Novel Writing Month, where you kind of, you say you're going to write 50,000 words, which in theory could be a novel, but I think, I, and I think it started really with amongst like YA authors. Mm -hmm. So, and those books are a little bit shorter sometimes, shorter. not all the time, sometimes, yeah. but then, you know, you can, so really it's like you write 50,000 words towards something that will hopefully be a novel. And so I think this is NaNoWriMo 2018. I actually completed it mm -hmm. and it wasn't a full book, but it was like, it got me through most of a book. And then I did write a book. I mean, it's terrible. I will, I don't even think, I think I've tried to, I, I know I have it somewhere, but I like, it's not even on my computer at this point. <laughs> um, so then when I did NaNoWriMo 2019, I don't know, it was like, I sat down and I just, I actually, I like outlined the whole the whole what became this book and I was like oh I actually know how this is going to end so I can actually write it <laughs> and and so that was what it was it was just like I had like this full the full idea of it just mm -hmm. came out and and I was able to to actually finish it and and then I revised it and revised it again and then sent it out to hopefully get an agent and then my agent read it and we revised it some more <laughs> but um but yeah I think that really was it was, I think having written that very bad book that will never, no one will ever see. Um, <laughs> but I wrote it and I did finish yeah, it. Yeah, you finished something. I it's like the completion of a project and knowing yeah. that you can do it. Exactly. That's really what it was. And then I was like, okay, now I need to figure out what I want my actual first book to be. And yeah, and so that's what I did. Had you always wanted to be a, a novelist? I think so. I think mm -hmm. I've always written things. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's like a box, I'm like in the closet in this room right now, there's like a box of like random little stories that I wrote when I was in like third grade, you know? So, so yeah, I think I've always been kind of a, a fiction-ish writer and, um, and finally, and I don't know, maybe it was like 
instead of just writing like you know I don't know like a literary fiction novel I was like no I'm gonna write a romance novel this is yeah. this has been my it's life been fun that you enjoy the last, yeah the last decade so let's do it yeah and it was and it ended up being really fun so I, mm-hmm. I think that's what the difference was is that it was fun it wasn't like yeah. I was forcing it out so now it's the pressure of finding fun for the rest of your career yes exactly <laughs> All right. So um, my last question for you, um, because you are our editorial manager at Fiction, Um, what has been or who have been some of your favorite interviews that you've done? When I do interviews, I do them almost exclusively through email. Mm -hmm. And I'm generally just sending them to a publicist and like crossing my fingers that I get a good interview back, (laughs) which I have to say, I usually do. I mean, authors, I think they know that marketing and publicizing their books is just as important as writing the books like at a certain point like your focus has to switch a little bit yeah um and so but last I think it was last year I should have looked this up before we're on we we started but last year um Eloisa James and Julia Quinn both put out new books like I think about a month apart Mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact dates, but, and it just worked out. And I think because it was the pandemic and we, you know, people were looking for ways to promote books. I was, I was able to interview both of them and their authors who I've been reading for years. Um, and so that was really fun. And they both like, they both, you know, I mean, they're obviously they're, they're pros at what they do, but they really like, you know, replied and took the time and like, wrote out all of their answers and they were it was really lovely Julia Quinn did she gave us like a tiny little bit of insight about before Bridgerton even you know was there but she was because she was able to go to London like while Mm -hmm. they were filming oh I interviewed Talia Hibbert for the Mm -hmm. blog and she's delightful she's a wonderful person (laughs) um and I love I've loved all of her books I think I've read almost every single one of her books so I and I had interviewed her for Get a Life Chloe Brown which was the first book in her Brown Sister series this was really cool this was a while this was actually like maybe two like almost two years ago I interviewed I put together interviews for Sylvia Day and she and she actually did like a video campaign kind of for it and so like our question my questions were like in this video campaign and it and it got like it got it was pretty widespread it was really cool so yeah those are a few but honestly I mean I think I do I'm looking at my little schedule like right over here and I think I do between like four and six like exclusive author interviews a month and where I'm coming I'm like I read the books and I do the questions for them and I can honestly say like almost every single one of the interviews are just really fun Mm-hmm. And I try to keep it pretty easy. I, having been a publicist, I know how hard these like email interviews can be. Yeah. <laughs> so I try to keep them fun. I usually do like a rapid fire, just like, and they're all like real silly questions. And I, so I think that like kind of warms people up to, to the idea of it all and, and go from there. Yeah. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for sitting in the hot seat. I appreciate yeah. uh, your... it. Those were super fun. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. We are back and now it is my turn to put Gwen in the hot seat and ask her some interview questions. So my first question is something a little bit more broad, um, but I want to know what was the inspiration behind you and your mom, Sarah Reyes, the Fresh Fiction co-founder, um, to start FreshFiction.com? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, uh, my mom has always, for as long as I've known her and been around and had thoughts and could notice things going on, my mom has always been a part of the romance industry in some way or another. She didn't do publishing or, um, uh, move to New York or anything. She's always had a romance novel in her book. She's always been reading. And she started in the early nineties by, um, forming this, uh, book club that then turned into a reading community that then she, after a few years of working in writer space in the early aughts, Mm -hmm. decided she was ready to start her own sort of community and a website that would cater to readers that wanted to know what the next great book was, what, uh, the next great author might be. And also to how to stay in touch with other readers so that you're able to talk about the books that you love, Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, it's, we, we all love reading and fresh fiction is all about like loving of stuff and not hating yeah. stuff. So that was also really, really important to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to college and always wanted to work in the entertainment industry in some way or another, but did not know what I wanted to do. Um, just thought I wanted to be like a band manager or work yeah. at a record label or something. Nice. Um, and I came home after I finished college, I uh, came back to Dallas and mom had had fresh fiction at that point going for a few years. Mm-hmm. And I worked in tele, I worked in film festivals for a little while, learned a lot yeah. about event planning. And eventually Sarah asked me, I call her Sarah, but she is my mom. Um, <laughs> I, she asked if I would come and help run events, these book events, these book club events yeah. um, on a bigger scale. So we would be doing once a week uh, up to actually having a couple of uh, big events throughout the year. And so that was able for me to be able to merge my love of event planning, Mm -hmm. um, of working with artists and talent, um, and then also getting eventually to be a host, which I really have learned to enjoy because I am a bit of an introvert extrovert. (laughs) So uh, I do love performing, but I don't necessarily like talking to everybody. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) It does. Um, So yeah, that's how we started. And I had always just been whatever my mom wanted to do. I I'm a mommy's girl. And so (laughs) when I turned 12, I just kind of glommed on to her and she would take me, we were first going to like political campaign things and then it was book stuff. And it's just been my life ever since 30 years later. (laughs) I love that so much. That's so fun. I, I love that you both took something or took things that you loved and turned it into your career. I mean, that's, that's the dream, right? You know, I mean, doing something that you really, truly love, um, which has its ups and downs and like perks and, and not so great things, but yeah, that's really awesome. So you kind of talked about this, you started talking about a little bit, but what is one of your earliest bookish memories? Oh man. Okay. So I have, I always remember going on Saturdays with my mom to Walden bookstore Nice. to go pick up her, her books that came out that week. And then she eventually would let me go and get like my book. And this was a time also when like the children's section and the teen section was like a shelf. Yeah. It was not this like beautiful, <laughs> you know, complex location exactly. that you could get every sort of variety of book. It was like, you had Sweet Valley High, you yeah. had Nancy Drew, which are not the same ever. R.L. Stein, (laughs) and then those books where everybody dies. There's like that whole line of the book, the death books. Like Christopher Pike. Yeah, Christopher Pike. Yeah, Christopher Pike, yeah. Christopher Pike and like um, R.L. Stein, I would have said were like the same, but there was like some lady, not Beverly Cleary, but another woman that, Beverly McDonald maybe, that all of her books were about like, they were love stories. So I was instantly drawn to them, but then someone always died at the end because they had cancer. They got hit by a truck. Yes. Just very tragic. (laughs) 
Yeah. I remember. So I guess my earliest book memories were being real or are really just being very upset that the love story always ended in death. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Isn't that such a weird, I mean, I think it makes sense because when you are like a teenager, you are kind of, you're kind of grappling. I think you're, you're really like having existential crises on a regular basis Every day. and you're <laughs> grappling with mortality. And so then of course, like the books that you read for fun, mm-hmm. someone dies, <laughs> someone dies. And now they're like, you know, you're still grappling with emotional weight and struggles. Yeah. And it's like, you're fighting the evil bad guys. Yeah. It's much better than everybody <laughs> dying of cancer. Ooh. Definitely. <laughs> I love it. This is a question that I actually grapple with all the time. My next question, but, and I think because you also oversee, in addition to overseeing parts of freshfiction.com, you also oversee um, freshfiction.tv, which is, has like film and TV reviews um, and lots, tons of industry interviews. Oh my gosh, they're so great. Um, But I want to know, how do you choose the content you consume? Because I feel like, I think we're both in kind of, a str- interesting kind of like a gatekeeping role yeah. in regards to the content that goes up on Fresh Fiction. So yeah, so what do you, how do you choose what you consume? Oh man, that is such a good question. So I think of it on two ways, like two levels, like Fresh Fiction to me, when I look at it, like how are we going to represent Fresh Fiction? Mm-hmm. Um, it always has to have a feminine slant to it. It always has to be about either what a female identifying reader is going mm-hmm. to want, um, what a female identifying audience is going to want, mm-hmm. um, female readers, or sorry, not readers, female authors or female directors. Like that's very important to me. I went to women's college. So I yeah. find the value of women's stories and stories for women identifying people to really mm-hmm. um, have a place for and a safe place. To so go back to like our conversation of, we didn't grow up with the stigma of romance. Yeah. And so, and then having to go into a world where there is that stigma all the time, it's like, I don't ever want anyone to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was very important to me was always having a woman, like a female element to it there. Yeah. Um, then for me personally, I, <laughs> I choose things very like, I want it to be a little artsy, but I also want it to be a little trashy. <laughs> If that makes sense. So like the perfect sort of content for me is something like a clause, the show Uh clause where you've got like, you're dealing with sort of what would be considered like prestige storytelling, um, different sort of economic backgrounds for all the characters, but then it's also a little trashy and fun. Um, So I've always like elevated trash in a way, which I guess, I guess kind of, and I don't like to I I'm okay with identifying romance and trash and using them as sort of fun colloquial way, but I do understand that that is not necessarily everyone's view. Um, But I think that that sort of same vibe hits romance a lot too, Mm -hmm. is that people find it a guilty pleasure, but things that you enjoy pleasures are never guilty. Right. Um, um, I think that that again, also might be the thing that we try to grapple, we try to push. And then a broad audience is also important. So Mm -hmm. if it's something that, uh, everyone's going to like, and again, everyone being our audience, female identifying, um, then we want to present it to them. And that sometimes that's going to be a show with, or a movie or a show with guns in it. Um, and sometimes it's going to be like, uh, little women, just something that's cozy and comforting (laughs) or it'll be John Wick. You know, you never know. Yeah. John Wick or the great British baking show. (laughs) Exactly. Oh man. I'm so upset. I just started watching the new season of blown away. Oh. on Netflix. It's a glass blowing show. 
I've heard of this. I have not watched it. Do you recommend it? I do recommend it. It's fun. I wish that they would make an episode where they tell you what everything is in the hot house. Yeah. Cause they'll, they, they do like, Oh, here's the glory. I think they're called glory holes. Here's the glory hole. Yeah. Here is a bit here's blah, blah, blah. I'm like, can we just have like a, an episode where you just walk us through, where you tell us what it is, how it all works. Cause I'm still not quite understanding how they take like a rod of colored glass and melt it down and make real glass out of it. I, my brain's not quite. I have a book it. recommendation for you. The book that my comfort read born in fire. Ooh. The, the heroine, the female main character is a glass blower yes. and the hero is like an art. I don't, I don't think he owns a gallery. He's like an art agent basically. Mm-hmm. And he sees her artwork and like goes to this tiny little town, takes oh, place in Ireland, so cool. goes to this tiny little town in Ireland and finds her and it like wants to make her into a star. It's so good. Oh, that's oh good. I can't wait to talk about it more. Yeah, that'll be fun. Okay. So this actually goes kind of hand in hand with how you choose your content, but what is something that you will watch or read or listen to no matter what? Like, do you have a subject matter or, or even like a trope kind of like we were talking earlier where I was like grumpy sunshine can appeal or can, yeah, can appeal kind of across different genres or formats of entertainment. So, yeah. I always, I may not always finish them, but I always love and start a show that has like a darkness to it. Either like a person is working in like the drug industry Mm -hmm. or they're a crooked cop or they're like a bad billionaire that's trying to hide all their money. Like I, um, families in turmoil because everybody is just a total screw up. Like (laughs) I really, really will always be drawn to that. It will make me feel like, I don't know, my husband Cliff will get on me about this because he's like, you watch Succession. And yeah. then it puts you in a bad mood. <laughs> and I'm like, but it's cathartic for me yeah. because like they're dealing with stuff that I'm dealing with just on a smaller level. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I will just always watch, like, I may not finish it. Like I'm trying in the middle, I'm in the middle of watching uh, Your Honor on mm-hmm. Showtime with uh, Brian Cranston. Yeah. And again, it's another like the kid kills the son of the big gangster in town. And now the judge has to keep it hidden because his son was the son that did the, that killed the kid. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is great. And my catnip and wonderful. And then I get like three episodes in and I'm like, Oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Just always like a darkness. And I like sassy stuff too. Mm -hmm. So anything like with like the flight attendant, that example of that sort of like dark blendy, but Mm -hmm. also like, um, female snark. Like I just, mm-hmm. do you quit things easily or do you yeah. like stick through it or do you, just- I quit things so easily. I'm awful about that, which is like why I have not finished a, a book that I didn't have to read for work yeah. in a very long time because I just, I get bored. I'm like, yeah. it's not even bored. It's just like, I don't, I'd stop caring or mm-hmm. I'd never, I could really not get the interest. Um, I also think that like time is valuable. And I just move on to something else. Yeah. I used to be, I had to read everything start to finish. I had to watch a whole show start to finish. But I think now with the binge model, it's just so it's, there's so much out there and everything is so similar. So you can really find what you want in so many other avenues in a way that you wouldn't have been able to do just 10 years ago. I agree for whatever reason I think, well, I I know what it is, is that I've watched Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) since the beginning (laughs) so I'm going to finish that show like you know now but now it's just like well now I just I have to do it it's been Mm -hmm. on so long I'm invested in Meredith Grey like I feel like 
I know her. She's the reason I was on bed rest with my daughter. When I was pregnant with my daughter, she's the reason I got through bed rest because I watched Grey's Anatomy like three times through. And I mean, that was a million years, not a million, it was almost seven years ago. And I still, to this day, like think about that all the way. Grey's Anatomy saved my sanity. Do you think that you would break up with the show if, um, if uh, Ellen Pompeo leaves? I know she's never going to. More than likely. Yeah. 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 If she left, I think I would. I think, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because she's the show. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, she's the, you know, she's not, I wouldn't even think it's not even like so Meredith centric anymore, but it is still, I mean, she's the, the backbone of the show. And I think. And it's important. I mean, she's like one of the high, I think she is the highest paid actress on TV and, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was Shonda's big hit, obviously. So I think there's like so much wrapped into it as to why I support it, but also it's like this current season, which is on hiatus, but this current season, I'm like not in love with, but I'm still (laughs) going to watch it. I'm going to make it through. (laughs) I think I'm trying to think of like, I I think with Modern Family ending last year, Mm -hmm. that was one of the last shows that I had before I was a film critic. That also is something that, um, not a film critic, but a TV critic. That's also something Mm -hmm. that makes a deciding factor for me also is it's like, like there will be shows that I know aren't great, but I started watching them before I had to review them. And so those are my friends. Those are like, I care, like how I met your mother was one that mm-hmm. I review. I was watching before I actually got to review it and cover it. And it yeah. wasn't great, but I knew those characters. Like they were yeah. my buds. Modern family, I think is the last one. And I'm just, like, I'm sitting here going I, every show I watch now, like if I like, maybe blackish, it maybe might be the mm-hmm. one of the only ones that I would probably stick with beyond a couple of seasons. But yeah, I quit oh. pretty quickly. I think Blackish is one I watch pretty regularly, but I don't like wait until I don't remember what day it comes on, but I don't watch it necessarily weekly. I'll like kind of yep. save a few. Like that's the new thing too that I feel like I do more is like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I'll just wait for the season to end and then I'll just sit down and watch all of them. Yes. Because I know that I'll, if they're not on Hulu or or on my DVR or whatever, then they're going to be on Netflix in a few months. So mm-hmm. I may as well just wait. Um, what a time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, sorry, creators that you're hoping that our eyeballs help you telling all our secrets, like ooh. sell the Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you have, we talked a little bit earlier about comfort books, but do you have a comfort TV show or movie that you return to? Oh man. Do I ever? Okay. I do. I have many. All right. So my comfort TV show is, and it really, it was even before, like a year before it, but mm-hmm. really hit home during the pandemic and being quarantined at home, um, is the office. Mm-hmm. Like yes. I love that show. I will watch that show. It's on comedy central all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not worried about the fact that I don't pay for Hulu or for Peacock right now, because I'm like, it's on like every network that I can right. find, but there's just something about spending time with those idiots that I love. <laughs> yeah. And then also like Cliff and I did about a year ago or maybe two years ago, we did a full series rewatch and mm. getting to see the nuance of like how much I put up with watching that show week to week that I mm. don't necessarily put up. I would not put up with if I was watching it like right. binge version. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the office is definitely my comfort show. I love, love, love the office. Um, Another one for me is Little Women. We mentioned yeah. that. Like that's one that is the the Winona Ryder version. Like mm-hmm. I I will watch it. I'll pick it up at any point. That in a league of their own. I will pick that movie up at any point. Edited for TV, not edited for TV. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I will spend four hours watching it. Um, those are two of my absolute favorites. And then 
when I'm sick, I love Lady and the Tramp. Mm, yeah. It's like my favorite sick movie. I love that. My daughter <laughs> loves Lady and the Tramp. Like just like we are deep in Disney princess obsession. I mean, she's, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's the time yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, and she, and she, and she is like a Disney princess come to life. She like frolics through. We have a pretty large backyard. She like frolics around. Frolics like is she smells, friends with squirrels? Basically. <laughs> and like smells the flowers every, you know, in the summer, you know, loves it. Um, but Lady and the Tramp is like one of the like non-princess mm-hmm. movies that she will be like, I want to watch Lady and the Tramp. And I was like, done. Because it's done. so great. Easy. I love it it's so much. So it's good. so good. It's so beautiful. Yeah, mine, it's so funny. That's the same for me. It's like Lady and the Tramp is my one non-Disney princess one that I like. Yeah. Then it's Sleeping Beauty and A Little Mermaid. What about you? What are your favorites? Oh gosh. Well, definitely Sleeping Beauty. But when we talked about this at a recent Fresh Fiction book club that I was like, I watch Sleeping Beauty for Maleficent more Mm -hmm. than Sleeping Beauty or Aurora. Yeah. I mean, Maleficent is just so great. I mean, she just wanted to be invited to the party. She really did. That's all all she wanted. (laughs) It's like a great lesson on being a good hostess. You should always invite the evil queen. Just let her, (laughs) she could say no, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Like, strangely enough, I realized I love Cinderella. Like, it's just, oh. you know, it's just like such a classic. It just, yeah. it really is. I mean, it makes it's so positive too. It is. I mean, it makes no sense. Like they fell in love after <laughs> dancing once. Okay, fine. <laughs> but it's great. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, but then of the newer ones, like I really, I love Tangled. Like mm-hmm. I will ask my six-year-old daughter to be like, you want to watch Tangled? And she'd be like, no, <laughs> we just watched that. She's not into Tangled. Not for no. her. This kind of goes off of Grey's Anatomy, but like if it's a medical show, like a medical drama, I'll I'll mm-hmm. watch it. It doesn't, I don't need, it doesn't matter if I haven't seen it. It doesn't matter if I've already seen it. I'll watch yep. it. I'll yep. at least give it a chance. Give that chance. Yeah. How do you feel about the good doctor? I'm ha- I don't know. I haven't. So this is this is like going deep, but like <laughs> network TV right now is kind of a struggle because yeah. it's, most of it is Terrible. pandemic based right now. I mean yep. And while I appreciate what creators are doing, like, I don't want to like put down creators because it's so hard to do that and put it out there for the world to see. But like, I personally, like, I think I'm gonna have to wait until I don't know when and just like come back to some of these shows. So yeah. like, I'm, I'm watching Grey's Anatomy is like the one that I'm kind of making the exception for, but even like, I did watch a few episodes of The Good Doctor, which I've enjoyed. It's not my favorite, but I've watched it. I, I like, I like, I like all of like all of the various actors on that show. I don't know if I love necessarily all of the storylines, but I think they're all doing a really good job with the material they've been given. They've been given. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, so I think like, you know, like this is us is another show that I, I was watching pretty regularly, but like, I have not been able to like get into this season. And I think, but the reason with that show is because it's so inconsistent about the way that they portray the pandemic on the show. So that's a whole other, that's like something we should write down and talk about at some point. I know that would be a great one. I love that. Yeah. We'll come back oh, to yeah. that because yeah, I started watching Law and Order SVU for the first time recently. Cause there was like a, a great, I love that show. Cause you can just pop in if it's a topic yeah. that you're interested in. And then I hadn't seen it in a post pandemic world mm-hmm. and seeing all the plastic everywhere and social. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. It is. It's hard. It's like, you have to almost prepare yourself for it. And I was like, is this actually entertaining or is this just like, is it too soon? There's so many 
things to think about in regards yeah. to that. So my next question is what is a genre or a trope that you want to read more of? Mm, okay. Well, I won't say, um, the, uh, love triangle because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I really, I really should read other stuff. Um, right. I think for me, it's always like topics. Like I want to see, I'm reading right now based off your recommendation, X talk. And mm-hmm. I love like these niche stories, like anything that takes place in a niche industry. Mm-hmm. I'm like so intrigued in it, but it has to be like something I'm interested in. So yeah. like I wanted to let, I wanted to enjoy more of those rock star romance novels, but those guys were never like my rock stars. Yeah. That made sense. So I could never sort of get on board with them. But like, if you gave me a band manager story, I'd be like, yes, the person making the decisions, like the Scooter Braun romance novel, I will read that. That (laughs) I don't really care about Scooter Braun, but I want to read it. Yeah. I I want more niche industry-based things. So I love this podcast industry one. It's so interesting that I talk. Um, I really love any, I've got really into with Sonali Dev and there was another author that did the cooking competition show Mm -hmm. or books. So again, it's something that I really love, but I love that it's a a very healthy place for um, fun conflict. And so I just, and then you get recipes. I always, I say this every year that I want to read more nonfiction and I almost never do it. So I think I just need to stop saying that. You can just listen to it. You're like a podcast counts as nonfiction. So I do consume nonfiction. You're right. Thank Mm -hmm. you for that. Um, Okay. My last question, it's a little bittersweet one, but it's what do you miss the most about the before times? Oh my God. I'm so looking forward to hearing your answer to this question too. Okay. Um, Okay. I, God, this changes every few days for me because Mm -hmm. it will be like one, I miss going to a restaurant and like, eating a steak because I'm not going to make steak at home. I mm-hmm. ordered a fancy steak from a fancy steak restaurant and brought it home one time and it was cold. And so it wasn't yeah. like a great experience. Right. Um, yeah. I miss like a nice sit down restaurant where I could mm-hmm. get dressed up and put makeup on and like make my husband look nice. Like it's a, I miss that. <laughs> I dream about the mall. I miss, Same. I miss the mall. <laughs> I miss, I it's think- like a great place for exercise. Like yeah. just getting to walk into a building and see stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I just miss that. I, I have almost the exact same one, like, um, answers because I doubt I miss, we had a mall not too far from us and it was still like full, like all yeah. of the stores were still in there. Cause a lot of malls up here have closed, like, yeah. but there are still a few. And I mean, it was so, it was such a nice way to like, one, like take my kid there and kind of let her just run around yeah. <laughs> and just yep. get energy out but mm-hmm. yeah I miss like just taking my time and perusing through stores I miss doing that at Target yes um, I, miss I miss smelling candles yeah smelling candles That's, <laughs> it's like I had no idea I did this so much but I do um and I miss that quite a bit I I this is one that I recently went to Costco and it was just there were too many people there it made me very uncomfortable mm-hmm. but I miss going to Costco I wonder if free samples will ever come back just based Did on- yours have free samples going on at it when you were there? No, not when I went there recently, but I'm just yeah. wondering if they will ever come back just with the nature of how this, the virus spreads. And then just kind of what we know about how mm-hmm. things spread in general. I think people are starting to realize how gross everyone truly is. Yep. Um, so will it come back? But I do, I miss like going, I just, I miss like going to stores and not necessarily have like 
when I go to a store now, it's like, we have to get these seven mm-hmm. things that's it, and we have to get out, get out and, as fast as possible. Yeah. I miss, I miss that. And then similar to going out to like a nice sit down dinner or steak dinner. I mean, that sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> I miss brunch. Oh my God. <laughs> br- like, remember br- brunch? Br- brunch, you know, like especially now, you know, like being in my thirties and with my friends, we all have so much going on. So it's like when we have brunch, like whether we go to someone's house and we all bring stuff or we go out somewhere nice, like you make it last for like four hours, you Mm -hmm. get bottomless bottomless mimosas and you just sit and do it. And like, I miss brunch so much. (laughs) Yeah. I think mom said the other day, she misses a five hour meal. Like just sitting and not being like, I miss, I used to have lunch with my friend, Susan, like once a month, we're just going to take 20 minute lunch. And it would be of course, four hours later. Cause we're like, I miss that so much. Yeah. I miss that so much. I I don't miss movie theaters. I don't miss like airplanes. Yeah. But I miss, yeah. I miss them all. And I miss brunch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think that is it. Those are my questions. I loved all of your answers so much. Thank you. I loved all of your answers. (laughs) Well, um, thank you, Danielle. This has been so much fun. Um, all right. So let's jump into our next segment. We have, we're going to have a couple of regular segments, Mm -hmm. uh, that you guys are going to get used to hearing from us. Our first one is called goal talk. It's a, you know, working title. We might come up with something a little bit more creative (laughs) between the two of us, but you know, straight to the point. Um, I am a Virgo after all. I like to just get to the point of things. This is the time that we are going to talk about goals that we've got that we're working on either long running ones, ones that are short, anything that we just kind of need accountability, accountability buds from. We're going to talk about our goals. And then our next episode, we will follow up on that goal to see how we've done and then either decide to set a new goal or to continue with the goal that we've got. I will uh, go first and jump off the, the deep end. Like Lady Gaga and, and uh, <laughs> my favorite movie, A Star is Born. Because again, I love things that end in tragedy. Love, love that ends in tragedy. Uh, that, I'm going to find out what that lady's name is and maybe reread one of her books. I love it. Um, okay. So my goal, I stopped writing regularly. Like mm-hmm. like for myself, I, had wrote, I wrote one book a few years ago with mm-hmm. uh, my friend Candace Havens where we wrote a YA together and never finished the series. I'm so sorry for anybody that <laughs> was hoping for resolution. Just call me. I'll tell you how it ends. Um, (laughs) I've got the pandemic has really just been that eye opener of realizing like, it's time to do the things that you want to do. And yes, I've been very fortunate in having the opportunity to pursue my love and my passion of entertainment Mm -hmm. for the last 15 years, but I've also put things aside. And one of those things that I had to put aside was writing because I just lost the love of it. I was Mm -hmm. getting married. I was working on fresh fiction. I was just doing everything. I was having my own existential crisis. Um, and so this past year has really been like, let's get back to that creative juice. Um, and so one thing that I have been trying to do is to write every single day and it's either journaling like a couple of, you know, doing morning pages and counting as my writing. If I, I also am not consistent with my morning pages. So writing that, or, um, when I first get to my desk, writing like three paragraphs of just something. Mm So um, my goal is to try to do that every day and not just when I feel like it. Yeah. Um, Because I really do think that it helps me. One, it makes me a better, it'll hopefully make me a better creative, a better writer, but it also Mm -hmm. just makes me more sane to get the crazy thoughts out into something else. That's not like my dog or my husband. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think that's an awesome goal. I think, especially with writing, it's almost like 
muscle memory. Like you just have to like sit down. You also have to like figure out what you need for boundaries. So like Mm -hmm. you need to turn off your Wi-Fi. Do you need to put your phone on do not disturb so it doesn't light up every five seconds you know uh-huh. like do you need to turn off all the, like I have a apple watch do I need to turn off like my buzzing on my apple in. watch yeah mm-hmm. you know so yeah I really like that goal and like I would say my goal I'll um go to mine mine is I just put more reading and writing same because I do I usually write Every, every day. day. I usually do. I don't want to say I always do, but I usually do. But I just feel like I just, I turn to my phone. It's my phone. It's my, my phone is the problem of like scroll and just like not doom scrolling so much. Cause I really have tried to like cultivate my Twitter timeline and my Instagram timeline or newsfeed, yep. all, all that stuff to not be quite so scary <laughs> <laughs> during this time. So, but it's just like scrolling for an hour, you know, it's like, you look up and it's like an hour has passed, you know, or like, Mm -hmm. or like, so, you know, I have my daughter and she watches like a Disney movie. So it's like, I will just spend an entire Disney movie just going through Instagram. And I'm just like, why, Why what are you doing? You could be reading a book. You could Mm -hmm. be thinking, I brainstorming ideas for something that I write, you know, years from now, who knows? So that really is, I think my goal as well is just to do more reading and less, I should put and less scrolling. More reading, less scrolling. Yeah. But then I did think of something earlier because we were talking about this. So this, this is not on the agenda. Um, <laughs> I love it. Let's get off the agenda. I, we were book. talking about like create, just like creating and content creators and being creative. And so I'm thinking this is, this is pretty broad, actually, knowing that I have this book coming in summer 2022. I don't have an exact date yet, but summer 2022, Mm -hmm. I will have a book out in the world. And, you know, and the plan is to make this into some sort of a career. So I think I need like a new creative outlet, like an actual, like a purely creative outlet. So I mean, just for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I need to figure out what that is. Like I, 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 I will cross stitch from every so often, but it's nothing like major. Like I'm trying to think of something like maybe it's, is it painting? Is it, sketching and drawing or something, you know, mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. things I've always been interested in. So something like that, like a new creative outlet, I think. And it doesn't have to be something I necessarily do every single day either. I think it's just yeah. like, when I do have a little bit of time, what am I going to do for mm-hmm. me? Like just totally for me, because I mean, still, I mean, writing is for me, but I also, you know, I have the best in that transition of it's my career now. Yeah. And like, I want to value it as a career. Yeah. I, I mean, I've worked in the industry. Like I know how easy mm-hmm. it is for writers, especially to get burnt out, especially romance writers, because romance authors produce books in a way that does not seem humanly possible. No. And I'm, I'm going to learn how to do it, <laughs> <laughs> but I also need to figure out something for me. All right. Well, now we are, um, you know, getting ready for our last segment. This is our comfort segment. Again, we're also kind of working on titles. I was going to be like calling it the Huga, uh, <laughs> the Huga segment, but um, it's very annoying to say that word. So I will. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the cool thing is Danielle and I are both of the millennial ilk. Um, so we are all about what's going on in our, our energy inside our energy outside, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and looking for things that bring us comfort and trying to self-care as much as possible. Yeah. So, um, this can be anything from a new or old book that you have mm-hmm. been reading, uh, a project you've started or want to start, uh, something that you saw, or maybe a recipe that you want to share. Yeah. Um, so Danielle, what is this episode? 
so it's comfort for you. Okay. So I have, I cheated. I have a few, Okay, um, <clears throat> but my first one is the Bridgerton soundtrack on Spotify. I think one of the things outside of just the phenomenon that Bridgerton has become is also the soundtrack because there are pop songs, but they are played by the vitamin, vitamin mix string quartet. And, and there are, there are some other artists as well, but someone on Spotify, put them all together. And that is what I listen to. Um, (laughs) when I, especially when I'm writing and I mean, cause I, I watch, I did watch Bridgerton. I, we haven't, it's funny. It didn't come up, but yeah, did. I did watch it, but I watched it like a week later after like everyone was talking about it. And I, I was reading all the articles and like the one thing that I kept hearing was like, I was like, Oh, but we love that. You know, it's like, thank you. Next is this <laughs> like, is the waltz they're dancing to or whatever song it was. And I just thought that was so funny. So I think like when I was watching it, I, whenever there was like a big swell of music, I was like, Ooh, which song is it? Like which pop uh-huh. song is it? So, yeah, but I mean, it's re- they're fun. It's fun. Like some people love it. Some people actually hate it, which is so is- yeah. I think it's hilarious. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's been bringing me some joy. I also, one of our first pandemic like splurges that we got was a Keurig K cafe, which will froth Ooh. and steam your milk for you. So you can make like lattes. Oh, and, that's nice. Yeah. I mean, I haven't stopped going to Starbucks. Like let's be a hundred percent. You need joys in life. Okay. Right. Okay. But <laughs> it is really nice to have like uh, yeah, as close to a real latte as possible in my house every morning. Mm-hmm. It's really lovely. Um, <laughs> and then the last one is, this is what I've always, like, I went through a pretty bad reading slump in like April and May, like kind of in the thick of everything. And then I, and then through, <clears throat> excuse me, starting in like November and December, like with the holidays and just the end of year, just madness. The one thing that's gotten me out of a reading slump has been reading Harlequin Desires. So like yeah, a little like so category romance mm-hmm. novels, I think because they're short and they're quick, mm-hmm. they're there. But I do think, I think right now, well, two things. One, the, the Harlequin redid like their cover direction for Harlequin Desire. I mean, across the board, but Harlequin Desire is like where you see it the most. And mm-hmm. The covers are just absolutely beautiful. So they're just pretty to look at. But then I think right now they have kind of this amazing like kind of crop of authors that have been writing for them for a few years and they have, and they're always bringing in new voices as well, but they, I mean, they're just, they're writing really just solid, kind of straightforward to the point, like easy to get through romance novels and and they're great so the two I want to talk about or just mention is Scandal in the VIP Suite by Nadine Gonzalez it takes place in Miami it's about an author and an actor who both get they both get they get double booked in the same suite at a really exclusive Mm -hmm. like Miami hotel and instead of one of them leaving the room because it's a suite there there are two separate living areas technically Mm -hmm. they stay together because of course like that weekend there's something going on so there are no rooms available and you know kind of the shenanigans that ensue (laughs) (laughs) that's a fun way to do that sort of like forced proximity that's not like our planes got stranded and there's only (laughs) one room in the whole the whole city like yeah yeah that one was it's really it's really fun Um, And then the other one that I just finished a couple of days ago is Back in the Texan's Bed by Naima Simone. Naima Simone is an author who just is so, she's funny. She's, her books are super sexy, whether they're Harlequin or I think she self-publishes as well. And it's just fun. This is in kind of their, 
it takes place in a town, a fictional town called Royal Texas. <laughs> and, um, you know, and it's full of rich and powerful people. And this one deals with a chef. She's a chef. Um, and it's actually, it's a trope that I don't really read a Ooh. ton of. It's Secret Baby, Ugh. where I know, I know, but it's like, <laughs> if there's someone who can do it justice, it's Naima Simone. And I really liked it. It's done in a way. And like, the kid isn't annoying. Like the kid is fine. And the two people, they're both like fully formed adults and how that is cool with all of that is really, is really good. So those are my, my comforts this week. I think that's so cool. We've been, that's been an ongoing discussion in our weekly book clubs has been like the love of the secret baby trope. Like it's, it's again, it's a polarizing one. It's like you love it or you hate it. And that has been one of our members, their assignment this week is to come up with a list of uh, Mm -hmm. secret baby books that are good. So I'll, I'll throw that one out there when she, I or you'll think, throw that out actually. Well, yeah, I'm coming this week, definitely. Yeah. You're our host this week. So right. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so what are you finding comfort in this week? There is a show on Netflix. Netflix, I don't know why I said it was such a funny accent on Netflix um, <laughs> called Lupin, which is uh-huh. an adaptation um, of a uh, heist series yeah. that has typically had, it's been redone a few times in France, but it's tip- it has been typically done with a white lead and they changed mm-hmm. it now. The lead's a black man. Um, and I was going back and forth about watching it. And I'm like, I gotta, I, I really want to watch this, but I don't have 10 hours to dedicate to physically reading really watch TV because with it being French, I, I want to watch it subtitled. I have to mm-hmm. actually read everything. Like it's a lot, it's a commitment, but it goes back to my thing, darkness. Yeah. I love a story that takes place with a heist or bad people yeah. doing bad things, but they're, but you know, an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. So I said, no, I'll watch Lupin at some point, but not right now. Okay. Then I saw a show called call your agent. This is a show that has four seasons also all in French. My whole <laughs> argument about I don't have time to watch anything in French right now was thrown out the window on Friday when right. I ended up watching four episodes of this right. show instead of Lupin. Um, so I now I have no excuse. I will finish. I will go back and watch Lupin. But it's so funny. It's just like every episode they have... Um, a different actress that they have to deal with who's mm-hmm. having some sort of crisis. The first episode is about an actress who's like 38, who's told by Quentin Tarantino that she's too old for a role. No. Yeah, it's it's awful. And so the, the agents then have to like tiptoe around to figure out how to tell her that or how to not yeah. tell her that. Um, and at the end of the first episode, the owner of the agency dies. Oh and no! So throws them all into what do we do now? And yeah. so that's going to be the rest of the show. Um, but it's great. It's French. <laughs> I like it. I've only, I've heard, in fact, I think it's on my Netflix list. I just have not watched it. So now I'm going to have to, it sounds it's really great. good. And yeah. it's, it's like, I was gonna say, you don't really have to pay that much attention, but you do, but yeah. it's, it's not as much talking, which I okay. liked because I was worried about it. Just yeah. again, attention span thing. Like I like to watch stuff when I'm, if I'm not committing to watch it for work, mm-hmm. I like to watch stuff that I can cook through or I yeah. can like be on my oh, phone yeah. during. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's, it's really good. I okay. will be watching some more of it next week when, and that's the other thing too, is it's, it doesn't, I don't feel the need to consume it all at once. Like I got my four episodes in, I'll be good for a few weeks and then I'll come back to it. And then my other comfort is a snack because <laughs> I love food. I, this week uh, with the inauguration, we're filming this a little early, but uh, mm-hmm. 
or like, you know, in the future. This week was the inauguration in America. And uh, so we have, it has been emotional uh, mm. across the board, regardless of your political affiliations. But um, it's also been a week where I did not want to cook anything. So I went to Costco, my favorite place, getting, <laughs> again, missing having the option of going to Costco for two hours and just walking yeah. up and down every aisle. Can't do that anymore. Uh-huh. But they have this enchilada bake that they sell in their prepared food section. <laughs> and it's so delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I can't stop thinking about it. And it's just brought me to go with that whole comfort vibe. It's been cold. It's yeah. just like soothing in a bowl. And it's like the right amount of spicy that like my husband can add even more spice to it to make it comfortable <laughs> for him. My butt needs to say, you know, not so spicy. So I yeah. will. <laughs> I'll stay where it came. Yeah, it's just delicious. And now I'm obsessed with figuring out how to make my own version of it. I think that's also fun. Like I've been in a rut of, I love cooking. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one of my things I look forward to every single day when I get to make dinner. I run, I get bored and I run out of recipes. And also Cliff and I, I I am a lot more adventurous of an eater than Cliff. Mm -hmm. And I also, but he's Asian. And so like, he has a lot of dishes from his childhood that I'm trying to learn Mm -hmm. how to cook. Oh, that's Um, fun successfully, unsuccessfully, we'll see. But the enchilada <laughs> bake was great. And I highly recommend if you go to Costco to pick Amazing. one up. That sounds good. All right. Well, so that was our comforts for this episode. Um, but yeah, that's the end of our show is our first episode. Danielle, how are you feeling having finished one I episode? I love it. This was so fun. It just was like chatting. I can't wait to, I love the goals. I think like having kind of accountability and talking about them every episode is going to be really cool. And then I can't wait. We, I know we have a bunch of ideas for guests and mm-hmm. future segments. So I'm really excited to see how everything goes. I'm just so excited to, and also like we've been talking about every time we see, we're like, oh, we're so excited to work together. So yeah, I know. We're just dorks. So it'll be so fun. It's going to, this is, this is going to be really awesome. You can follow us guys on all the socials at Fresh Fiction across the board. You can follow Danielle at DJ underscore dresser on Twitter and Instagram too, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And then Danielle Dresser over on Facebook. You can find her. She should have an author page soon. But yeah. in the meantime, uh, you can follow DJ at underscore dresser. And then you can follow me at Real Vixen, R-E-E-L-V-I-X-E-N across the board on all platforms as well. And I hope that you will rate and subscribe to our brand new version of the podcast. We are going to have, like Danielle said, we're going to have some really great authors. But yeah, this has been really, really fun. And I'm just really excited that Danielle and I are going to get to share what we've been reading, watching, and listening to with you guys. So until next time, we'll see you guys soon. Bye, everyone.